Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Editor's Desk right here on Biz News Radio. I'm Felicity Duncan with me, Alec Hug. The big news this week, Alec, really has been for me the the unfolding of the Tonga scandal, uh, the revelations there in the report from PwC about the shenanigans uh, on the accounting front. And I must say, reading this, I just, I am so frustrated to see more of these types of bad behavior coming out of corporate South Africa, more of this, you know, uh, disregard for the interests of other stakeholders, disregard for the interests of shareholders, and uh, the, the use of this kind of creative accounting to uh, simulate a successful business rather than actually building a successful business. It's all just terribly frustrating to me. And the, those who are perpetrating it might be leave at the time that they're making this creative uh, or these creative accounting adjustments that they're saving jobs. But actually what they're doing is they are masking the, under, the, the reality. And in fact, the jobs that are going to be lost as a consequence of that will be much, much worse in the long term. It was quite an explosive uh, report that PwC have brought out. And congratulations to the Tongar board, who, unlike the Steinhoff board, have released the full report out into the public domain. Now, the Steinhoff board said, well, we've got to do negotiations and litigation, etc. Tongard board are in exactly the same situation, but they have said, we're releasing the full report so everybody can see it, warts and all. And there are a lot of warts. There are a lot of warts. Uh, uh, Peter Stada and his team have got much to answer for. Uh, what I did see interesting was that the, there will be uh, an attempt by the company to attack the former executives uh, and to try and recoup bonuses and benefits. Now, benefits is a big one. Uh, that could start testing some uh, long-standing uh, legal issues in South Africa affecting stuff like provident funds and pensions. And this really gets to the heart of where remuneration of executives uh, can be excessive. It's it's not just the cash. It's often the in-kind benefits that are received. Share options don't really mean much in the Tongard issue. But uh, there are other benefits that have been accrued to the directors over the years. Uh, I think this is going to be a test case. And one more, uh, or once more, the non-executive directors are going to now start having to realize that being a non-executive director of a company carries a lot more responsibility and the potential for punitive damages if you don't understand what's going on in that business. And sadly, in South Africa, we have many examples of non-executive directors who never asked the right questions because it didn't seem as though the disincentive to do so uh, was high enough. Now, the, the, the incentive to do so has suddenly become great, uh, suddenly become great because you could be on the hook if you're a non-executive director and you've been lied to by managers. This is a fascinating development at Tongart Hewlett, which is going to have implications, I think, uh, that go far beyond just that company. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that your point about the willingness of the current board to pursue executives is such an important one because you really have to have people taking responsibility for the decisions they make. You know, you see time and time again, executives make decisions that have enormous long-term costs for 
both shareholders and uh, employees, and then walk away with golden handshakes valued in the in the six or seven figures or seven figures, I should say. Um, you know, I think it makes me think a bit about WeWork um, and how on uh, there, you know, the founder walked away with billions of dollars, leaving behind really what is sort of looking more and more like a shell of a company um, with massive job losses and so forth. Just no real um, accountability for decision made, that decisions that were made for uh, behavior that went on when times were good. So it's really, to me, great to see a willingness to hold those people to account. And it's something I think that we need to see in South Africa across the board. You know, there's a huge... Uh, a lot of voices out there saying we need to punish the politicians who were involved in corruption over the last decade. But we need to go deeper than that, I would say, and at every institution in South Africa, at every level, hold people responsible for their actions when those actions are against the law or have negative consequences. That's the only way capitalism works. You know, when Adam Smith wrote Wealth of Nations, he said that the the big rider for everything that he was talking about with capitalism, is you need a moral undertone. And in corporations, that moral undertone is set by the directors. If the directors of the company don't understand what's going on within the organization, they will be led by the nose by managers. If the directors of the company are, as Warren Buffett would put it, Dobermans rather than poodles, then you will have a company that functions efficiently because they'll be asking the right questions. They'll be making sure that the company is correctly run. Now, if you if you look at that in a broader sense, and Pit Fulion nailed it, I thought, in Rational Radio this week, when he was talking about the difference between an owner-managed company or a culture of an owner-managed company and a culture of a professionally managed company. In an owner-managed company, the decisions are being taken on the basis of what is in the correct commercial interest of this business. You tend to find that corporate politics become less and less important because you know who the boss is. You know that there is a guy or there, there's an owner who runs the business. And in our industry, in media, this is particularly important if you look internationally. The most successful media companies, Bloomberg, Michael Bloomberg owns it. Uh, News Corp, uh, Rupert Murdoch owns it. And there's many examples in the United States as well. But it's, it's that. And then you have media companies who are not so successful, which have been run by managers. And it's a similar thing on on uh, many other companies that are publicly listed companies listed on the stock market when the shareholders don't take an interest it is almost logical that the managers are going to run the businesses in their own interest and Pete made the point about tiger brands now here you have a company that through its incompetence of the of the of the business which the buck has to stop at the top 200 people lost their lives on listeriosis. Through the incompetence of the managers of the business, billions were lost on an investment in Nigeria. What do we hear this week? Tiger Brands is getting rid of the listeriosis issue for the future by selling off that side of the business, not fixing it, not making sure that they implement the correct processes to ensure that if you're in the food business, you don't go around poisoning people. No, they're now talking about selling that side of the business because apparently it never really made much money anyway. And the second point is they're going back into Nigeria to, do, to repeat exactly the same problems. And Pitt's point on this is if you had a board of directors that was doing its job, 
you they would have taken action against the management team who got them into the mess in the first place. But who are doing these things? Precisely the same management team that was there that got them into the mess. You, 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 it boggles the mind sometimes at how weak the impact is of boards of directors and through them shareholders because the shareholders clearly are not taking the interest in a major corporation like this that they should be. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes you think in South Africa there are a number of large institutions that are the main representatives of shareholders, right? So there are some, of course, uh, retail investors in South Africa who invest directly in shares and are active shareholders. But for most people, they hold their shares in you know, unit trusts or through their uh, pension funds or what, you know, whatever kind of provident fund savings they have. Um, and so they are not directly actively uh, acting as shareholders. Rather, they're the beneficial owners of the shares, but the people who are supposed to act in their interests, act on their behalf, are these large institutions that manage big pools of money. And so the failures you're seeing here where Boards are not being held to account and where boards are not holding managers to account really ultimately, I think, reflects very poorly on institutional shareholders in South Africa and rather the managers of large pools of funds or the institutional managers of um, investment funds who are the ones ultimately who are supposed to who have the moral and legal obligation to act on behalf of shareholders, which means holding everyone to account and one wonders you know is it that there's too is it too limited a pool of competition you know is there not enough competition that's forcing managers to do their jobs or is it that there are too intimate relationships between uh, these fund managers and uh, the management of these large listed companies because it's it's really uh, this is not the way it's supposed to be done but it's an opportunity if you think about it for an active for an active manager, because an active manager is, they're under the cosh uh, from uh, passive funds. So to make yourself more valuable to your shareholders, here's your opportunity. Passive funds are not going to go along to annual general meetings and start asking questions because they don't have the resources to do that. They are really mathematical, uh, formally driven. Uh, For example, the biggest shareholder in Apple is Vanguard an ETF. Second biggest shareholder is Warren Buffett. He's got five and a half percent of it. Buffett will go uh, and ask the right questions, but Vanguard certainly aren't. So if you think about actively managed uh, fund managers, the potential that what they should be doing because they're actively managed is that they should be going along to those annual general meetings like other shareholders or representative shareholders and really putting the holding the management's feet to the fire. But as you say, in many cases, uh, the, the relationship is far too cozy. In other cases, the asset managers like to work behind the scenes, uh, and perhaps that also is to the be- to the the benefit. But they working behind the scenes is not necessarily working in the interest of those who have entrusted them with money. But I, I see this thing evolving, Felicity. I see people like uh, what's called our ninety one, the new. Uh, name for the investing asset, uh, asset management. Hendrik de Toy has always been a guy who has been asking those difficult questions, but now he's putting it front and center. The whole ESG, environmental, social, and governance issues are becoming very, very important. So you could imagine the, the lead coming from London here in, in South Africa, you'd find the new 91 
will be in the vanguard there because not not least because it's the right thing to do. But it is an opportunity now to differentiate yourself with passive funds if you're an active fund manager. So I think things are going in the right direction. We saw uh, Just Share. Uh, we spoke with the executive director uh, on Rational Radio last week. And we're going to be doing it uh, again, talking to Tracy Davies this week. See what happened at those AGMs of Sassel and First Rand, where she went to go and wave the flags for environmentalists and so on and so forth. So it's moving in the right direction and investors need to pay attention because the companies that kick against it are going to be the ones punished. I don't know. You know, it's interesting you make that point about active and passive management because, uh, in fact, companies like um, BlackRock, which is the the large uh, manager of trillions of dollars in <laughs> passive funds and and Vanguard also are actually very active shareholders on the funds uh, on the boards or rather for the companies that they hold in those funds. Um, they are uh, they are. Uh, very, very much involved in the proxy voting process. I've come under criticism uh, from time to time for the particular uh, initiatives that they support. But uh, I would say that actually the the managers of the passive funds, particularly these large global ones, so, you know, BlackRock, Vanguard, those kind of things, um, have actively shown themselves to be, have actually shown themselves to be very active managers when it comes to holding boards to account, you know. So I think it's not necessarily the active-passive split. It's really the individual company and how seriously they take their responsibilities. And there's certainly an opportunity in South Africa for uh, managers who are going to take this seriously and who are going to make the effort to do the job that they're supposed to be doing. That's an interesting point. I haven't seen Satrix uh, being at all, or any of the other ETF managers in South Africa, being at all um, active when it comes to voting in AGMs. But maybe they are behind the scenes. Um, but interesting, the point you make there about Vanguard and BlackRock and the work, work they do individually, maybe they, the passive funds in South Africa should be taking a, a clue there. Although, to be fair, passive funds are still very, very small, relatively speaking, in South Africa. So at least in the immediate term, it's going to be up to those active managers to really get uh, uh, the public to recognize the work that they can and should be doing when um, bringing the managers to account. That's all we have time for. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to read a summary of this interview, there's one up in the premium section on biznews.com. Remember, you can sign up for premium. It's just going to cost you £5 a month. It's going to give you access to all of our great original content and to all the content available from our partner, The Wall Street Journal.